Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by William Gardner, our football analyst. And William, the spring semester at CU begins on Tuesday. We're celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day today, and the team is down in Denver. It's kind of a cool deal. They're helping feed the homeless at the Denver Rescue Mission, and then they're going to be taking uh, part of the the, the parade that, that takes place down there. Gosh, it was awful timing with, with oh the weather God. here in Colorado. I, I can count on one hand in 20-plus years living in the state of a stretch like this, but it sounds like there's kind of an Arctic wave that, that's – yeah. consuming this whole area right and that that parade is a march and a parade so then I, I last i looked at like five below zero so good lord I, I was just downtown all day yesterday working getting ready for trial and uh i was thinking i didn't even see the uh stock show parade go by this year so good luck and bet and you know wow good for those folks that show up for that i've had uh this question posed to me randomly a few times in my life of if you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, who would it be? And the answer is just is always going to be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And and so this is something that uh, uh, I I appreciate, um, you know, the celebration of what he accomplished. And I remember moving to Arizona in 1990. And at that time, they didn't celebrate yeah. it. And kudos to my parents. They say, you don't have to go to school today. Like you're not going to go to school today because this is something that we need to observe. And so I, I appreciate uh, that sentiment from my parents. And and uh, it's great that it is a holiday that, that everybody gets off. Right. Well, and, it, and it's an important one. And I, I think it's important in Denver and important for uh, those players. Too. I, 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 I'm glad that they sent them down there. I mean, you know, I have some sort of tangential con contacts with that uh, mission and, there's a lot of hurting people in Denver and it's good for those kids to see that when they're thinking about NIL and everything else. Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. Is your business looking for financial guidance and support, but not yet big enough to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hiring a fractional CFO who can work with your business on a part-time basis you get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. And here's the best part. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with us. For more information or to set up a meeting, please visit MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y-Capital.com. Jason Phillips joins Colorado staff as the new receivers coach. Uh, he has spent a lot of time in the coaching industry. I was really impressed with just his message to the team. You can tell this is a cerebral type of coach and uh, over 20 years of coaching experience. He was with coach prime at Jackson state, spent a lot of time at Utah state. Uh, I'm going to run down his, he also spent time at Oregon state, Kansas uh, time with the Denver Broncos, SMU, Houston, Baylor, Texas state uh, was an intern with the, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Minnesota Vikings. So he's been uh, well seasoned as a coach and, uh, I don't know much beyond that. This is kind of new news, and we only knew about it because there was a, a video that came out from their team meeting yesterday. 
Yeah, and he's a veteran coach, and he's been around. You know, he did a year at Oregon State, and the year before that was at Kansas. Um, so, you know, he's coached in a lot of bowl games at Houston and Utah State. I saw somebody posted on the board, oh, he's just another JSU guy. Well, he's really obviously far more than that. Um, you know, just because a guy coached with primates at JSU doesn't mean he didn't have a career outside of those, that, that couple of years. So I think he's a, a good addition and certainly has been. If you look at if you look at his write-up, um, from the JSU website, and uh, he's been involved with some top-notch offenses and, and putting up a lot of points and a lot of receiving yards. So I think it's it looks like a good hire to me, and I think it's always important uh, that that new guys fit well with the head coach. So we'll see. I think it, you know, I guess an interesting question raised is um, you know uh, to what extent the coordinators or Shermer in this case had had input on hiring his staff, but uh, I think he's a good addition. Yeah, no, in that moves Brett Bartoloni to tight ends coach. We don't know what the tight end is going to look like in this new offense, right? But Shermer is more of a NFL background. Does that mean that we expect that position to be more included or not necessarily? It's hard to say. He We, we didn't really see with Pat Shermer the full scope of what he's going to do with this offense because you can't change an offense, obviously – uh, eight games into the season. So I, I am anxious when we get a chance to talk to Coach Shermer. Um, in, I, I mentioned that Jason Phillips is kind of a cerebral coach. Pat Shermer is, if you looked up cerebral in the dictionary, you might see his picture there. Uh, I I really like that quality in an offensive coordinator. Uh, we, we had that with Brian Lindgren for a time at Colorado, and, and he went on to Oregon State to do really well. There's something about playing chess as opposed to being emotional in that role, right? Right, right. And I've always thought, you know, I think uh, defensive coordinators, defense needs more emotion and offense needs more thinking and, and to, to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, to to do their jobs right, to, uh, there's a word I'm looking for, a football word, I can't pull it up because I'm getting old, I guess, but um, to, to produce and, and get their jobs done. And an offensive coordinator needs to – see three or four moves ahead and, and anticipate uh, changes or whatever. And, you know, a, a defense needs to play with its hair on fire and go, go crazy out there, you know, and still, still be assignment oriented, but um, you don't need your offensive and defensive coordinators to be the guys that fire up your team. So the people that are concerned that he's a boring guy, who cares? I mean, that's not his job. Off that William, I will say the number one thing that popped in my head when Charles Kelly left Colorado staff was it felt like he could get those guys to play with their hair on fire. And that, that is a quality that I liked most about him as a DC. Now, statistically CU's defense was pretty awful in 2023. Now you can talk about why that was um, they were good in the red zone. Uh, they were kind of a, a bend, but don't break type of defense. And I guess they broke enough for them not to, to win more than four games, but I liked his ability to get those guys at times to really play inspired football. And that's what I hope the next defense coordinator, who we don't know who it's going to be, Coach Prime addressed that at the team meeting and said that, hey, the NFL is still going on. We're going to get this right. And uh, we've yeah. heard the NFL, those three, those, those three letters used quite a bit in terms of this defensive coordinator hire that's going to come. Um I don't know. I just I threw a lot at you there, William. But 
I that that's a quality that you need in, in your DC, and that's why more than anything on paper, uh, I wanted Charles Cully to be the to, to be this team's DC in 2024. Well, and I think the people that are judging that defense by statistics are on the wrong are on the wrong base. And you know, I don't think you judge not to me. You know, everybody do what you want, and obviously on the board, everybody can do what they want. But I don't judge a defense by by statistics. I think that defense, especially in the second half of the season, played well enough to win a lot of games, and the damned offense didn't show up. And so there were several. I think that you know that defense played well enough for us to have six or seven wins, um, and it didn't have all the pieces it needed, quite frankly. Um, so I was looking forward to improvement on that score this, this season too, but now we're going to move on and we're going to have somebody different and we'll see what they do with it. So I'm excited. I think he's putting a lot of thought into, I, I have a base, you know, just on comments here and there, and I, I have a suspicion he knows who he's got or who he wants. And we're just waiting on that guy. Uh, I don't have inside information as to what that name is. I wish I did too, but. Actually, I don't because then I'd have just have to sit on it. I can't report on it until Coach yeah. Prime wants it out there. But uh, whoever is whisper, going, you can, you can whisper it to me after we finish. <laughs> I actually have a couple ideas, so I will do that. Uh, the Buffs added a couple defensive players with no DC, uh, segueing us into Nikhil Webb Walker and defense alignment Torian Carter joining the herd. <laughs> Nikhil Webb Walker from New Mexico State put up uh, good pass rush numbers this past season, and Torian Carter coming in from Arkansas as William gets disrobed there in the background. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, sorry, I got distracted there. Uh, any thoughts the there house. on those guys coming in? Yeah, uh, I think you know, I, I think it's exciting to some of the guys that we're we're bringing in here. Hold on one second, let me get back to where I'm trying to be here. Um, it's like so negative I, I, 10 degrees outside. Why are you taking off clothes? <laughs> well, because we've got the, got the heat going in here and it's driving okay. me out. You know, the, 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 the dry <laughs> heat, you know what I'm saying? Now, and now it's snowing like I'm out the window. It's snowing like crazy. So I don't know. Maybe I should just open the window and put on an Arctic parker or something, man. Holy cow. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the uh, uh, both of these guys, and I think they're very different kinds of, of players. Um, you know, one is long and athletic, and the other one is more traditionally inside uh, defensive tackle kind of a guy. Um, and so uh, I think we're, we're adding to that defensive line. And uh, we can get over to where I want to be. Um, so I think that uh, – so Tori and Carter is kind of that big guy that people are looking for in the middle, um, you know, uh, coming from Arkansas. He's been playing against big SEC offensive lines, so he knows how to handle himself against big guys that can block. And uh, he's kind of a guy that can sort of plug up your middle for you. And then Webb Walker is a whole different, entirely different kind of a guy, more like uh, – and I'm not saying this on a talent level, but just in terms of body size and style, more like a J.J. Watt kind of a guy, tall and uh, more leaner and and kind uh, uh, of give you some things off the edge and be a great five technique um, to play a little three and then, you know, get on the edge and, and, and give you kind of an entirely different sort of an edge player 
with with his height and length, you know, he's one of those guys that's hard to throw over. So I think he'd be more of a pass rush guy. I think Torian Carter is a guy that kind of helps you plug up the middle. And, um, you know, along with a couple of the other guys we've picked up, will give us a much stiffer uh, defensive line up the middle. I think him, you know, him and Anquan Barnes and, and Nuanquo give us an entirely different defensive line this year, if you, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I, I I like that analysis. I I don't have a whole lot to add there. But Nick Saban, who retired this past week, and, and we'll touch on that. Did that happen? I, I didn't hear anything about. I didn't hear anything about that. Well, he made a comment that sacks are the most underrated stats. That they're. I'm sorry. Nick Saban said that sacks are the most overrated stat in, in college football, and it's about pressures. It's about hits. Right. And. Right. We can sit here for the next 10 hours talking about pro football focus and how they have the resources to cover things the way they do, but their pressure numbers, their hits on opposing quarterbacks for both Nikhil Webb Walker and Torian Carter are are off the charts. And so that was, as I was looking at both those guys, one of the things that really kind of stood out to me about what they bring to the table uh, do you agree with that as somebody that's coached both lines in terms of sacks being overrated versus kind of we we don't we don't talk about pressures we don't talk about quarterback hurries we don't right. talk about quarterback hits the way we do about sacks but um unfortunately following Colorado in 2023 you saw the impact that had uh, Shador Sanders was sacked 52 times but really my my head goes right back to that UCLA game. And there were times he didn't get to his first read, his first yeah. read yeah. before somebody was in his face. And it didn't always register as a sack because he was moving around, doing whatever he could to, to buy time in the pocket. But um, that was the thing that kind of stood out about these guys joining the mix. Well, you kind of just asked me, am, am I going to have the arrogance to disagree with arguably the best coach that ever existed in college football? <laughs> So uh, I'm not, and, and I have always long agreed with him, you know, you know, for, for every sack, if you've got a good defense, you know, you're going to have four or five pressures and, and really, you know, the, the pressures are just as effective as the sacks. Uh, obviously you don't lose yards with, with the pressure versus a sack, but uh, if you can get in a quarterback's head and get him rattled so that he's watching the, the, the pass rush instead of the coverage, then you, you are, are have made a huge impact on your defense and, and your ability to uh, affect the team you're playing against. So pressures, I think, have always been a huge deal, and they don't get a lot of uh, notice or, or stats. And guys who, who get a hand on, you know, hit him after he throws, so it's not quite a sack, but it's but it's still a pressure. And, you know, putting the quarterback on his back and, and being there – uh, when he's trying to throw and changing, changing his steps and changing his uh, throwing motions and such, that's a huge deal. And, and I think, you know, like, you know, people say last year, like Shane Cox, uh, I've seen on the board, Shane Cox didn't do much. That is so much crap because he was all over people. He just didn't get the stats. He didn't get the sack. He didn't get the tackle, but he, he made people change their tracks. He made uh, running backs go to different places. Um, and so defensive linemen, and I, I would include it in the havoc rate, frankly, defensive linemen who, who can get into lanes and, and make a difference and uh, put pressure on a quarterback and, and hit running backs, I think uh, are priceless. And, and these guys are certainly good at that. And so, and especially, 
you know, Torian Carter's doing it in the SEC, so he's not doing it against bad offensive lines. He's doing it against big old, you know, beefy offensive linemen. Um, so I think he brings something uh, to our team that I think we've been missing. Since we last talked, William Jacquez Robinson, uh, defensive back, hit the transfer portal. He played corner, nickel, and safety for the Buffs in 2023. I uh, was coming back from an injury. He, he had a hamstring thing that he was dealing with all, all season. I don't know if we really know what his potential is, uh, but when you look at the type of defensive backs, especially a cornerback that are joining the program this spring, it, it's it's something as a CU fan I don't think you worry about. Um, I, I wish we could have gotten to see a healthy Jacquez Robinson in a CU uniform, though. I think he's one of those guys when you're kind of bopping around games on a Saturday when CU's not playing, you you want to you want to root for success for him. Yeah, and I think that he's got the size and the attributes to be a really good player. And you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't what didn't work out here. And I think with Kelly leaving, it's not surprising that he's moving on to something else. But like you said, you know, with Deion Sanders is your head coach. I'm not ever going to have too much concern about the secondary. They're going to bring those guys in because guys recognize the value of playing defensive back for a guy who's the greatest of all time at the position. And I think we brought in a lot of guys that are going to make a lot of difference back there. So uh, would I don't, you know, I don't know that he would have started this year, but uh, it, he would have been nice depth. But you know, somebody asked a question. I guess we'll get to this. You know, has has anybody gotten a portal yet? that concerns us. Well, and not me. I don't know. We'll talk more about that, but I'm not too concerned about losing him to be perfectly honest, because I think there's other guys there. Yeah. I mean, the, the people that I guess will, who is it that asked that question? We can jump right into that. Um trying to look down the list here. We'll, we'll, we'll say we already talked about it when we get there, but the, yeah. the, the pieces that they've lost were depth pieces right yeah dangerous ask that said have we lost anyone from the portal yet that surprised or concerned you yeah i don't think so um the funny thing is that uh you know walk on and michael harrison might be the one that i'd really want in the program going forward uh especially given that they haven't really addressed that need uh, aside aside from mediter who is a step up in terms of being a well-rounded guy but you, you kind of like that that pass catching option there, especially with Shador Sanders right. as your as your starting quarterback. But uh, no, I you know there are I, some guys. I, I, I love guys Anthony still, Hankerson. Yeah, what, what were you going to say? I said there's some guys still around that kind of surprised me, but nobody that's left has really you know caught my attention. Yeah, I was asked. I'm trying to think of what show I was doing where they they were asking how many outs. How many guys leaving the program do you expect in the spring transfer window? And I looked at the eligibility chart and counted out 14 guys pretty quick. There, there's yeah. still a little right. bit of, of that on the roster. You're not yeah. going to bat a thousand with transfers. There are going to be guys that we're right. excited about today on January 15th, 2024, that are not going to be what we expected because there right. is one thing that I've really learned in this time covering Colorado is that progress is not always linear. Mm-hmm. There are some guys that show up are great and you expect, okay, three, four years from now with development maturation, they're going to be out of this world. And then you kind of watch the the dips in there. And, and 
you know, right. it's tough. You're a college student. I was an idiot when I was right. in college. <laughs> right. And so I understand the fact that you're going to have misses in there. Um, but by and large, when you, when you pulled it together, a group of incoming transfers, like coach prime and his staff have done, um, to me, the floor, the floor, the floor is six and six, the ceiling. Yeah. I don't know what that is, right? but this is a bull team. I'm not going to make any plans for Christmas this coming year, because I look at the, the type of talent that is in this roster after two full transfer cycles. And it's pretty impressive. Well, not not even a full transfer cycle yet because we're going to have after spring, you know, another window when we're going to bring some people in. But, you know, you mentioned the one guy that I think is a significant loss, which is Hankerson. But I, I'm a huge Hankerson fan. I think he's a damn good running back. And I think he's never got the respect and the credit from our board that he deserves. And I think he'll do really well somewhere. But that being said, we'll find somebody and we'll fill that spot. Um, but, you know, the other thing you mentioned that kind of – Peaked my old brain was, um, you know, development of these guys. Well, you know, the average male does not really reach his physical peak until his mid twenties, right? So you look at NFL guys that have been in the NFL for, you know, we talk about, hey, fifty year senior, look how mature he is, and you take those fifty year college seniors and then you compare them to a guy four years in the NFL, and they're different. I mean, the the the, the four years in the NFL guys are grown ass men, you know, not to say that a 22-year-old, 21-year-old is not, but there's a whole different physical maturity there. And so these guys all the way through their college careers are still developing. And I've always, you know, I've always said, I'm not going to give up on a guy's career until it's over, you know? So uh, uh, I think a lot of these guys have a lot to show. And then, you know, some of them don't feel like they're going to fit. And there are others who, you know, will probably get to it at some point um, who I don't think can play at this level. And we'll see some of those leave and others brought in. So, you know, uh, I, I'm excited about where we are, though, in terms of developing this roster. That's that's great stuff, William. I, I remember Isaiah Lewis being in an elevator with him, and we had kind of a back and forth. He was he was upset with me because I had said on one of my position overviews that I, I didn't expect him to be part of the mix, and uh, he confronted me, and and I loved it because that's the mentality you need to get better, right? right. Is that you, right. you take that stuff and it, it annoys you and it eats at you and you become better right. as a result. And yeah, he, he is kind of that, that example of a guy that, you know, three years in his college career, I didn't expect him to be much. And then 2020 happens. It was a weird right. year for everybody. And he is just breaking up passes left and right. right. I, I, I think if memory serves, he led the PAC 12 in, in pass right. breakups that year. Well, and I remember back, you know, when I was at CU and I think uh, there was a year, you know, Mark Vanderpool was like six, seven, three, ten, And then Stan Brock came in for the spring game that year. You know, he was six, six, three twenty. So roughly the same size human. Not even any comparison. I mean, Stan Brock, it looks like a mountain. He made he made Mark Vanderpool look like a child and yet roughly the same size, you know, so that kind of development just kind of goes on year to year with guys, you know, as long as they keep playing the game and they're working hard. We already talked about the fact that Jordan Seaton is built like that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Him coming into the, the CU men's basketball game the other day, it's like, if I'm an edge player, I'm just, I'm, I'm waving the white flag. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I am not takes, getting by that guy. Takes you the three seconds on the, on the quarterback drop just to get around him if he's standing still. 
yeah. All right. We have a whole Buff Stampede mailbag to go through, William. I'm going to break this up into two shows, but let's let's close out here on this one. Nick Saban has retired. Uh, I still remember his first year at Alabama. They played yeah. Colorado in the Don't Independence Bowl. Yeah. Remember uh, the hope that we had at that moment? Jesus. Had a yeah. top 10 recruiting class. and Yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, what he did from that moment going forward, and even in that moment, they won that Independence Bowl, was pretty impressive. I – I really respect Nick Saban for being an ambassador for college football. Right. And it kind of feels like almost the baton is kind of being handed to Coach Prime in some level. We saw Coach Prime put out some tweets about um, college football needs to look itself in the mirror. I don't know if Coach Prime wants that responsibility, but he's certainly capable of taking the right. baton in that sense and trying <laughs> to lead us to some type of leadership. I, I yeah. It doesn't matter who you root for. Everybody wants some type of clarity. Where is this going? What is it going to look like? Uh, regionality has been thrown out the window because of TV companies. And right. something right. needs to change. Uh, it's going to take a really strong person to inf- uh, implement that change. And I'm not putting that on coach prime but i'm just saying in terms of an outspoken voice it feels like uh from nick saban retiring that maybe uh he's going to be the the person in college football that is respected the most in terms of kind of their opinion towards about uh, about things that, that take place nationally well for that to continue he's got to win games and i think you know because at the end of the day if you don't win nobody's going to listen to you but you know before we before i step away from nick saban I, there, there's not enough i can say about Nick Saban because, you know, he always, he, he always had great teams. His teams were well coached. They did every aspect of the game right. And the guy had class, you know, you're not going to see any of that garbage like we saw from that clown in Eugene last year. Never saw that, never once from a guy like Nick Saban because he had class, because he was a winner. He, you know, he, he, well, he wasn't playing for clicks. How about that, jackass? Um, but, <laughs> you know, he just and, 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 and he, he, you know, like you look back at Bill McCartney and, and, and obviously the, the greatness was there in terms of wins and losses. But what really stood out about Bill McCartney was his assistant coaches went on and became coordinators and head coaches. Right. So he hired good people and he developed them and built up like, you know, the, the, the coaching tree. And Nick Saban did more for this sport, I think, than, than probably anybody that ever lived. And and uh, it's a shame to see him go. But, I, you know, like people, I thought people were like, well, he's leaving because of this, because of that. Dude, he's 72, man. Let the guy just walk away because he's ready. Jesus, you know. So I, I wouldn't read any more into it than that. But um, I think Coach Prime is uniquely <clears throat> talented and gifted uh to to follow in those footsteps and, and you know he's got coach prime's got talents that that other coaches just don't have and abilities and he's not given credit for that yet but in order to get get that credit you have to win games so he has to show that he can win and quite frankly he's got to win at a higher level than a six and six level you know he's got to get the bowl games and, and win conference championships and get in the playoffs and things like that and then you begin to become more taken seriously you know um so uh, I, I think we we are privileged beyond belief still. You know, all, all the different little controversies that keep popping up like whack-a-mole for CU football, you know, cannot take away 
from the fact that that we have a gifted human being as our head coach and 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 not and not not just in his abilities in football but but he's just I don't know you know again I'm searching for for superlatives because Deion Sanders is 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 uh, uh, sound he's a beautiful human being man you know he's a happy guy and he he lifts other people up and his refusal to get into these you know sort of uh tit for tat say nasty things about people and you know and and his son or you know and and his his the guys he's brought in the the, the team and he's just a quality human being and, and I, if for no other reason if, even if I wasn't a CU fan I'd want to see him succeed because he's just a quality human being yeah great stuff William you you're, you you nailed it on the head there uh, you're not close to 72 well, let's put that out there. But when you retire, and I, I know you love to go up to Minnesota. That's that's my home roots. Yeah. I, I lived in Minnesota until I was uh, what going into sixth grade. Uh, again, we moved to Arizona. That's where the whole Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, debate came up earlier. But let's find a quiet lake to fish on. Because right. Nick right. Saban... And he's got his boat. I, I've seen some of the the behind the scenes videos that they do with him, and in, in terms of how uh, he relaxes and gets away from the, the grind. Let, let's do that. That sound good? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm you know, it's funny I, as I'm hitting getting close to sixty, I'm kind of hitting my stride in my career, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, not that it's coming anytime soon, but uh, get a little wore out, and, I, and the drama gets to you after a while, you know, and if. And, there's there's certainly drama in my my job, but good lord, being Nick Saban and, and the head coach of a of a power four program, there's nothing but drama. Yeah. Yep. William, we're gonna tackle some questions uh with a buff stampede mailbag coming up uh tomorrow. But uh you know, as far as this show goes, it, it was a lot of fun to kind of catch up with you and we're still kind of waiting to find out who the DC is going to be. So I think we've got a lot of podcasts coming up in the future. I know you have a busy work schedule, but we're, we're going to, we're going to tackle all of these topics as we go through the off season. Well, I think we've got a lot of exciting things coming. You know, I think we're not done with, with recruiting. We're not done with uh, transfers and we're going to see here in the next few weeks, what kind of offensive and defense offense and defense we're going to run. You know, we're going to get back into winter conditioning and, and watching Coach Mo get after these guys. And it's always fun to watch them push how hard they can push them out there. And we got, you know, we got some entirely new guys out there. You know, some of these offensive linemen, I can't wait to see them out there. Because, you know, la- last year, really, quite frankly, in those winter workouts, um, you know, it was, uh, uh, geez, I'm blanking on who's our big guy uh, that didn't get to play. Um, uh, uh, in what position? Uh, at, at offensive guard. Um, Tyler Brown. Yeah, ty, ty, you know, you watch Tyler Brown in those workouts. You're like, oh, my God, look at that guy. And then nobody else, you know, on the offensive line really stood out. We got some guys. We got some guys. Some of these interior guys, you know, Mayor and some of these guys uh, on the offensive line are exciting. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch that competition out there. So that's coming up. Uh, you know, it's exciting times in Colorado football. If you if if you think we're on the downhill side of the, the primary, man, you missed the boat because we ain't even got rolling yet. The, this this is like 
when you watch a rocket launch, right, and all the flames coming out the bottom, but the rocket ain't moving yet. Okay, it's about to start moving. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, I was curious when they were going position group by position group. Uh, Coach Prime was asking, "Who is a leader in your group?" Um, and you didn't see the camera pan over uh, to to know those guys. But my guess is Tyler Brown is that guy for the old line. Yeah, and I think you know he 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 would have to be for the time being, you know, unless some of those other guys begin to assert themselves, because um, nobody works harder than he does, you know. And but you know, at the end of the day, you also have to get on the field and play in football to to be one of the leaders. It, it's just real, you know. No matter what you've done in the past, if you're not playing that particular year, you can't be one of the leaders until you're out there. And so, you know, now he's going to get back out there and reassert that. But yeah, I can't see anybody else who would be that guy you know, with all these other guys just brand new. I mean, you know, I, I would I would be surprised if by the end of summer, Justin Mares isn't one of those guys, um, you know, Khalil Benson. Uh, so we'll see Tyler Johnson. But, you know, it's not going to be handed any jobs on the offensive line this year, although, you know, we'll talk more about that at some point. But I, I, still, I still hope and expect that we'll bring in a couple more big guys like that. All right, we're going to come back with a mailbag show tomorrow. I will address the drama with the Arizona Wildcats and their beat media team. Uh, I actually had a back and forth with a bunch of people yesterday, and so it's not going to be juicy like everybody out there wants it to. I have a lot of respect for folks involved, and um, I know that there was a learning moment involved for for one of the folks that that came back at me. So uh, it's not going to be what you want it to be. Because uh, yeah. I'm going to take the high ground here, but uh, William and well, I will be back with a new show. Yeah, do you have something and, to add there? And, and aren't you going to put me on the on the catwalk so I can do my, you know, little Paris turn? <laughs> we are. <laughs> We're going to talk about. There, man. I don't know what happened in my life that we're talking about paris and fashion week but uh here we are (laughs) so definitely tune in and appreciate you guys for listening to this episode